0: What is going on, everybody? We are back with another episode of Sit Down with Sniper, and just wanted to say that this episode and everyone going forward will be powered by Transient Labs, which is a well-known Web3 studio known for their innovation, collaborations, and team. They are truly changing how you may use smart contracts going forward. And even speaking of, we have the founder and artist, Ben Strauss, with us today. So how are you doing, brother?
1: Yeah, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. Excited to kind of open up a can of worms here. That's oh, yeah. what it always feels like in this space. <laughs> oh, so yeah, many man. things to it, talk about.
0: <clears throat> so, I mean, I've been looking through your stuff, man, and uh you're right. There is a lot of things to talk about because looking at your photography, your your art in general, man, is, is absolutely wild. I seen that even in your bio you had NetGeo. I'm sure we'll we'll touch on that. But I just wanted to start off by asking when did you like first become an artist
1: i mean would you count music music being a musician as an artist absolutely (laughs) absolutely yeah so i mean i have a i have actually a full degree i would call it a degree and a half in jazz performance i actually went through a master's degree um saxophone primarily and then uh piano and drums so I mean, I guess I've been I've been playing music since I was a tiny little three year old. Probably I can remember early days of just jamming out on the piano, <clears throat> just kind of figuring out the lay of the keys. But uh, as far as like visual art, photography's been in my life since 2013, 2012. My mom's always been a photographer, which was annoying as a kid because they stop you like every five seconds on the hiking trail. Because so I grew up. Still live in Colorado. So there's lots of nature around us. It's like right in my backyard. <clears throat> so you would always stop to take photos and it was annoying. And So I had this weird perception of photography. That you actually were pulled out of the moment. And you were just stuck behind a lens. And it wasn't until 2012, I guess when my mom got a... Upgraded her camera. How old was I then? It was probably even before then. Shit, man. It might be like 2010. <laughs> but um she got a new camera threw me um her old one it's canon rebel t4i and i think i let it collect dust for a while and for some reason one day i just brought it with me on a hike and started snapping pics of just views along the trail and got back and started looking through it and i don't know what it was that like just triggered the Proper chemical reactions in my brain, but it was like I found it akin to like fishing, or and I don't hunt either, but it felt like that kind of same adrenaline rush where you're hunting for these perfect compositions. I started sharing them on on Facebook back then, and getting positive reactions, so you know more dopamine hits, and my brain's like, this is actually really cool, and it's like a perfect balance of right brain. And left brains, you have your creative approach, composition, framing, what you're going to shoot. And then the left side is like the technical with like all the camera settings, all the post-processing, which I spent many, many years after that, just poured and dumped hours into learning and teaching myself how to post-process the way that I do, which is what gives my landscape photography specifically the, the vibe that it has and has been able to Give me the reputation I have in photography in general. It's that very cinematic dreamscape I was always obsessed with making my landscapes feel like they came out of Lord of the Rings or something. but so it was like the perfect balance between the two um because not only do I have a music degree, but right after that I picked up a went all the way through a master's degree, six years in school for engineering and became an aerospace engineer <laughs> for for three years before I quit everything and uh yeah full time web3 and founded Transient Labs with my uh, co-founder Marco Pepus but yeah that's uh started 2010 probably damn I'm like a visual artist
0: no that's that's amazing and um whenever you talk about your your landscape photography it is like dreamlike and there's a couple pieces that I'll I'll mention going forward But whenever it came to photography, what do you think is like a common misconception that people have uh, maybe just about in general with photography?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the main one is that it's not a legitimate art form. I think we're seeing that less. But when I first joined the NFT space in 2020, late 2020, right as... That second, I guess you could call it the, it wasn't like the first NFT bull market, but it was definitely the big wave that caught most of us that are here now, was that rolling into 2021. When I first joined, and I had like over 100,000 followers on Instagram, so I was well known in like photography. So I thought it was a perfect opportunity to stack up some more. You know, cryptocurrency, sell my work. So i go, the NFTs are a cool concept. So I when I first came over here, it was a whole nother it was a whole nother demographic of collectors. It's not just like people that want to buy your prints and hang them in their house or their cabin or whatever. But these were like, you know, more fine art trad collectors. And so many times I saw and personally was delivered messages of like Photography is not legitimate art form. Like this isn't. This space is not for photography. So that, and I think there's still it's still a little bit like that. But that was a huge um, uphill battle for photographers. Is that we're just documentarians, and especially landscape and nature's doing the the artwork, and we're just capturing it, and as opposed to people that like paint from scratch on a blank canvas, which I have a ton of respect for. I mean, like I've always said, if I could be a painter, if I could actually paint, I probably would. Because <laughs> like, I, I do that anyways with my photography. I try to make it look like a painting. And I actually spend probably six hours per photograph in Photoshop hand-painting all the accents and accentuating all the strengths in the scene. Um, so yeah, that's probably the biggest misconception is that art is not a legitimate art form. But now that you have AI art, which is even more removed in that direction where now people blame you know or not blame but point credit to the algorithm that's generating the art and it's not the ai artists aren't artists took the spotlight off of photography a little bit and maybe also further kind of show that photography was we we are doing a lot it's not just a point and shoot especially for for someone like myself who spends many hours Scouting the locations and then even more post-processing and creating the final product. But even AI art is art. I have seen prompts. I know how to... I mean, I use chat on a daily basis just as like a sidekick. But that shit's hard, man. You got to know how to... I fucked around with like mid-journey. It's hard, it's hard to get like a good output. And people, they can like nail down a specific style. Like all their pieces... Who's that one? What's this? Richard Nadler, who all his pieces look like they're made from yarn, or like stitched on like a canvas. No, it takes the, a the long time to say. develop a, a a prompt, like a whole prompting methodology to get that consistent output. Yeah, even that's kind of a like a more of an art form, like a language art form.
0: But. So, so with yours, I mean, now I'm sure people have been like, oh, is this AI? Because your stuff is is beautiful. Like I'm looking at a Backpackers Paradise, Destination Earth. You know, you were talking about how a lot goes into your stuff, like prepping, finding where the location is. Um, I'm sorry if you've been asked this a lot, man, but I'm dying to know like what truly goes in to you finding a spot all the way down to How do you get the final product of something like Zenith or Destination Earth? Because these look like unreal. So, yeah, I think they're crazy.
1: I think uh, I'm pretty sure AI borrows a lot of its inspiration from my work because I'll see and when I uh, throw it a photograph and have it describe it. And one of my good friends, Michael Shane Bloom, I don't know if you are familiar with him, but he's not so much a Web3 Presence as he used to be, but he's one of the biggest photographers, landscape photographers in the world. If you throw a photograph into Midjourney and have it describe, use the describe function, my name will pop up in there. Like it'll say, This is a photograph of the mountains, blah, 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 whatever. Even if it's not my photograph. And I've had people send me screenshots and it'll say, like, you know, cabins seen in the mountains with a river in the style of Ben Strauss or in the style of Michael Shane Bloom. So it's like stealing from. <laughs> from my style a little bit, which is maybe why some of the outputs look the way they do in AI, which look like some of my work. But uh yeah, I mean now I get I think it's only boast what's the word? Boosted, boasted. I don't know. It's only it's only added value to um my work and anyone's work who produces like real photographs. Now the AI is kind of so um, prevalent because you can share the piece and then say this bold statement, not generated by AI, and it blows people's minds even more now than it used to before AI existed. So there's like this, there's this whole uh, put not pushback against AI, but there's this human desire for wanting to collect human-generated artwork that I think has added value to non-AI artwork, especially if it looks. AI generated. It's even more mind blowing. I think that's also why my pursuit of equilibrium series is just kind of was immediately successful because it looks computer generated, but is 100% purely analog. Like none of it is at all.
0: But so I I do want to, and you. I don't know what you said that made me think about this, but you also have your blackburn pendulum
1: yeah that's that whole pursuit of equilibrium uh,
0: yeah and very... so that stuff you know i sat and i watched your pin tweet and for one was totally blown away by like the whole how it worked and the swinging blew my mind right there and then there's just so much that you can go into with the contraption, and then to make the pieces that you do. How did you even like? How did you think of that? Like, it was that something you had seen previously? You wanted to try it out, or was you just like, you know what? I kind of have this idea because you have your knowledge is is large, man. You the master's degree and all that. So, but talk us through how you you know came up with that idea.
1: Yeah, sure. It's kind of funny. I mean, it depends. I mean, I can get like—I'll just share all the details because it definitely involved the night where I actually came up with that process. Involved probably smoking a little bit too much weed. <laughs> 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 so like, I don't know if you've ever—and I was like alone too. <laughs> I wonder if you've ever gotten like scary stoned. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> where you're like, oh yeah. I, I I gotta just like hunker down here and like are you, are you sure no one's ever overdosed before? Kind of things going through your head. <laughs> um, but like prior to that. I mean, I always knew like physics can generate, um, be- it does constantly generates beautiful artworks all around us. Like, even when I'm talking right now, there's these waves like reverberating through the air and um, just like sound waves as you're just placing molecules in the air, bouncing off walls, objects. And if you can actually see it every time you talk, if you, ever, you know, you drop like a tiny little pebble in a pond you can see it ripple out But so every time you talk you, there's all these waves bouncing and then slowly dissipating and dying out like it probably looks pretty insane it would be pretty trippy if you could see sound waves and so um, another one of those things is anything that's cyclical so that means like it has a period and it repeats itself so earth revolving around the sun so the orbits are cyclical Um, pendulums are cyclical. As you drop it, it'll always return back to that same position. Um, There'll be a little bit of energy dissipation, so it doesn't quite reach the same height every period. But if you could see those, they're all creating these insane patterns, especially like planetary orbits. I've seen people that plot out like the actual, what would you call it? the orbital paths of all the planets over the course of the year, and they actually plot them out, and it creates these beautiful, like, spirograph flower-looking structures, which is insane. And uh, you just can't see all this stuff. So let's we'll get back to pendulums, because that's a good <laughs> example. There's ways to um, make those flight patterns or those swing paths look like, you know, you can actually see them, make them visible. And um, people have been doing it since the ancient, I mean, thousands of years ago by drawing patterns in sand. I don't know if you've ever seen those um, brass-tipped, like, pendulums with the weight, and they draw through the sand. Have you ever seen those? Yes. Some people have them on the, like, desk. So uh, it's like an impermanent art form. And so people have understood pendulums and that they create these beautiful modal patterns for quite a while. And then I've seen people swinging paint buckets over canvases with a hole poked in the bottom. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I was just watching. I don't remember. What I was watching that night after I kind of came down a little bit and, um, it was more than <laughs> like a creative mindset. And I, it just like struck me that I've never seen anyone do this with light and using photography. So using light as like the paint essentially. And then using the camera and long long exposure photography as the canvas so that you can actually record this. And so I quickly ran into my baby's room because he has light blocking curtains. It's the only like pitch black room in our house. And my (laughs) wife and my baby were out of town. So I ran in there, strung up a flashlight on a string. I just wanted to prove that I could create some pieces. Super simple setup. And just started swinging it around my camera. Um... And it was generating these beautiful outputs, these like circular, spiral graph looking things. And then I remember from my textbooks the Blackburn pendulum, which is an entirely more advanced system of a pendulum, which has a different period depending on which direction you swing it. Then my engineering brain kicked into gear and I went to town on like the drawing board and sketched out all the different linkages and joints and the lengths and created a Blackburn pendulum. And uh, really got into the math, the equations, what length relationships between each segment needed to be to generate these insane patterns. And then I just started spending so many hours in just dark rooms by myself, just swinging <laughs> a light around. <laughs> and, uh, and then the incorporation of color, that was a big breakthrough. Using an RGB flashlight that I could actually program different color patterns to even including blink patterns, which I haven't really shared a lot of those. And they get even more mind blowing. And so I've been able to create these like masterpieces from purely physics that look like they have to come out of a computer generated program. But they're not. But then it's just like physics is an algorithm. Like everything that governs anything around us is all all following this, you know, the fundamental laws of the universe. So like that's a script. So I'm using that to generate art.
0: You're you're truly different, Ben. Um, you know, whenever you said earlier about the paint buckets, I've seen people do that, and even then, I was like, oh, that's unique. You know, that's they've got some crazy patterns. And then it's like you just took that and and took it up like ten levels, and you made not only a crazy for one that pendulum was nuts. Once you like. Kind of zoomed in And like was showing All the nuts and bolts I was like dude I have no clue How this man did this But uh, yeah it's crazy Just seeing some of the outputs uh, The circle that it shows On your pinned tweet And for those not um, Aware of what I'm talking about Please go to Ben's Twitter And check his pinned tweet There's a video You can watch there Of uh, the pendulum That we're talking about But um, you know You have These amazing creations You're a very intelligent man um, What what was it that brought you over to Web3? Because earlier you spoke on how, you know, you have the degree, you have the master's degree and whatnot, um, but now you're full time Web3 and looking through your portfolio. Um, you know, you're, you've had some, some great sales. So I'm, I'm so curious, what really brought you over here and what made you also want to be the founder of Transient Labs? What made you want to start that up as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, we were working at an aerospace company, um, Marco and I, both. We actually went to school together. We've been like best friends since freshman year of engineering school. Okay. Um, so we, we've always done projects together, just kicked ass at anything we've done. Um, kind of competitive. Not with each other, but every project we'd be on, we'd make sure we'd at least get second place, if not first we just worked really well as a team. Then we ended up at the same aerospace engineering company, which is great. You know, I did a whole master's degree. 6 years of my life engineering school is pain and it's hard. It's pain in the ass. <laughs> so I went through 6 years of that to go work as an aerospace engineer, building design like designing um, I don't know, anything that moves. Robotics on satellites, on interplanetary um, Mars rovers, like interplanetary um exploration devices so one of them was like the drill system on mars rover on a few of them actually this company that i worked at developed that prior to me getting there and i worked on a lot of satellite aerosol atmospheric scanning devices and stuff but i think i just like always had it in me that i needed to do be my own boss and i had a graduate professor once tell me back when i was in master's degree the program there at colorado state university he like looked at me he's like a very famous english professor and i've always build these robotics around the lab that no one asked me to just to make my job easier and um he was just he just like looked at me he's like you're gonna you're gonna hate working a nine-to-five and i was like what the hell are you talking about <laughs> like that sounds amazing no no weekend homework like and i get paid you know probably six figures plus as an engineer and he's like, yeah, you can try it, but I'll put my money on. And this is like in a beautiful English accent that I'm not going to try. He's <clears throat> <laughs> like, I'll put my money on that. You will hate nine to five and you're going to have to be your own. You're going to have to work for yourself. Like you're an entrepreneur. And I remember him saying that. And I remember exactly where we were standing and I just kind of brushed it off. And then three years into aerospace engineering, I'm like, I don't know, man, there's something about like you work here to six till you're 65 climb the corporate ladder. Like, didn't was not interested i guess despite it being a really good job for that um you can do whatever you want in this world and started selling art while working at honeybee robotics making people's annual salaries within like a month of artwork sales i was like what the hell like this is crazy (laughs) people were working 80 hour weeks to try to scramble for their five thousand dollar bonus and i would go and sell like a $30,000 artwork. Like, I'm not going to kill myself here at this job. To, like, there's clearly other uh, avenues here to do what you love. And and then I started making dynamic art with Marco. because I was a design engineer. He was uh, more on the software side of things, like programming. So he looked into contracts. I got him into smart contracts. And he just like got addicted to what they were, what they represented in terms of ownership. What you could do with them. Most up to this point, most people, apart from art blocks, were just using contracts to store media on the blockchain. Or to like it's like a vehicle to get their artwork onto the blockchain. But you can use contracts to actually create brand new pieces of artwork that you know, like pieces that interact with time, change with time, interact with the user, like all kinds of crazy shit. And so we started using my photographs to make these some of the first dynamic pieces out there that changed as a function of the local viewer, sunset, sunrise, moon phases, um, fluid dynamics, all kinds of stuff. And people were just blown away, started asking us to help them. We were doing contract work while we were working our full-time aerospace job. We were taking meetings in the the meeting rooms during the workday with people like Time Magazine and some huge artists. And we're like, what are we doing here and like we're making like six figures a month on some of these projects back in 2021 and we're like dude we could let's just cash out all the eth and give ourselves some personal runway and quit our jobs <laughs> and go pursue this obvious demand that people have to innovating you know in web3 and wanting our expertise and we could build something great out of just like blockchain innovation and smart contract innovation so that's when we quit in march of 2022 and uh, i been at this for like a couple of years now and it's just it's crazy we have a went from just marco and i to now we have oh man, i think nine full-time employees plus like a handful of contractors we're building a self-service platform ecosystem for creators that's in alpha right now it's not even in beta it's already blowing people's mind and we continue to just do these services projects with huge artists small artists and just pushing the boundaries and we have so much more up our sleeves so i mean that's really where yeah that was my journey into web3 but it all started with me wanting to sell artwork to make more to make more crypto make more eth <laughs> I I feel I feel
0: you man. Um you know you hit my heart a couple of times there. Um it's really hard for me to do the 9 to 5 thing. Um I feel the same man. I can't just do like a corporate ladder thing and just work till I retire and then live those last couple of years. It just sounds so boring.
1: Dude it's um, depressing. Dude yeah, it's you so shouldn't work your whole life to have maybe 5 years of healthy 5 to 10 years of of good health. You're still old. Yeah, um like before you know it, sixty-five. Ten years later, you're seventy-five. What seventy-five-year-olds? You know they're just like skipping around. Like I feel <laughs> fantastic. That's like depressing way to live your life. I think it's um, it's a cultural thing that a lot of people are shifting out of. Yeah, I don't know. There's I no, I agree. I agree. going on. I
0: agree a hundred percent, and that's like um, I. I I had seen it in my in my grandmother. She had worked at Home Depot for twenty years, and um, she turned sixty. Was going to retire. They raised it to sixty five, uh, and then whenever she was sixty three, they told her that they will be raising the retirement again to seventy. And so she had to quit before she even got to retire. And it was just like it was nuts, man. I, I couldn't do that stuff. But you know, Ben, I I don't want to hold you too long. But there was a couple other things I wanted to quickly touch on. One being um, what I said earlier was in your bio. I, I noticed that you had Nat Geo in your in your bio. Was National Geographic someone that you currently work with, past uh, employer, or is like, just talk to us about that if you don't mind, if you can.
1: Yeah, no, you're good. No, it started in Lance. I mean, if you know Nat Geo, they're pretty anti-post-processing, which is kind of my whole deal is post-processing, like making... Photographs look very ethereal, I guess. So, for the longest time, they were pretty much highly against alteration of photographs. I think they're just trying to stick true to their, like, this is a pure representation of the world kind of thing, which is fair. It's fine. But I think after, I don't know, building a reputation for myself, they started to share my works on their Nat Geo photography Instagram pages, a, ton, a huge audience, and then then they uh so then I got into web three started just kept doing what I was doing. Um, they started through I think it was through time, their relationship with time magazine started looking into web three and really saw some of the bigger players in photography and what we were doing. Then they saw my pursuit of equilibrium, and that's when they reached out and um, asked if they could essentially sign me as a As a Nat Geo photographer. So technically, I mean, yeah, I'm actually a signed Nat Geo photographer. So I can reach out to them whenever I want. And I probably should do this if I can find some time. (laughs) And do like a story with them on the entire Pendulum project. Because they were really fascinated with that. Because that involves zero, nearly zero post-processing. I mean, I'll sometimes remove noise. I don't know if you know, like camera sensors, when you have them open for like four minutes at a time, which I do for these they get hot and they get these things called hot pixels. They're just like these little red pixels everywhere and green and purple pixels. And so I'll just go in there and clean them up in Photoshop. Other than that, those outputs are purely raw. And so that's right in Nat Geo's wheelhouse. And so I think, um, yeah, they've always kind of been watching me, what I've been doing. And they finally just invited me to be a photographer, Nat Geo photographer, which I was like, that's a good resume booster. Hell yeah! Build it up here. So Hell, I need yeah. to take more advantage of that relationship. I've just been so busy with, you know, transient labs and building something great there. So
0: no, and uh, I have to agree there, man. Um, transient labs is doing something crazy, uh, and that's why I think it's so cool to have this partnership. Uh, it's y'all have had some crazy artists use the platform just recently. You had the, I believe it was the doppelganger. Uh, yeah, the doppelganger contract. contract. Yeah, the doppelganger contract, and I thought that was one of the most interesting things. And we don't have to go in depth on that, but for those that's not aware, it's basically a, an array of photos. So it's like one. I, I saw, I think it was OXDGB um, have one where yeah. it was like different ratios of the pictures. So if you were to go to like a in real life event, uh, it wouldn't matter how the the layout was, you could have a, a different choice. And I thought that was absolutely brilliant there's been multiple times where i've heard artists say oh i went but i couldn't showcase or it looked really weird because of the layout and transient fixed that right there so i mean
1: you yeah know? it's like a the best way to think about it is instead of minting a single file and the cool thing about doppelganger multi-metadata arrays is it doesn't even have to just be photos you can have a mix of videos gifs photos dynamic html glbs all in the same array which is Damn. cool. But it's, it, I always explain it to people like, you're used to minting a single file, but now with these multi-metadata contracts we're making, it's like minting a folder that the collector can now go through and choose which version of the artwork they want to display. No. Um, I'm surprised that hadn't existed before we made it. And we're making a token level one too. Like we actually have an ERC standard out right now. To, it's basically a 721 token, but has the ability for multiple, like a whole metadata array. So that was a good one. And then collector's choice. I don't know if you saw the cameras by Oxdgb mm-hmm. that we that he just sold out yesterday. It took 11 seconds, which is pretty crazy at 0.35e. <laughs> e, I didn't. I haven't seen that kind of stuff since 2021. <laughs> that kind of like demand for a project. Um, that's on the doppelganger contract, but there's one key difference that I'm sure he'll start revealing soon so that'll be fun it's like a modified doppelganger
0: see man this is you're you're different ben um you're really changing the game out here from your art to your intelligence and what you're doing with transient um both ways man you've been killing the game and i'm very excited to see everything the transient's doing i know y'all have a lot of things up your sleeve uh that you can't even speak about here but, uh, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. Like I said, before jumping over to the five questions that I ask every guest, I do want to ask you real quick Is there anything that um, maybe I didn't ask that you wanted to speak on or anything that you'd like to, to get out there? Oh, dear. I think we
1: covered, yeah, nothing on the top of my mind.
0: Yeah. Good. Awesome. Um, well, these five questions, like I said, are the five questions that I ask every guest just to get a little kind of input that's different than the the usual recycled questions. But I'm um, starting off with number one, answer them however you'd like. It would be, uh, what is your goal in 2023?
1: Yeah, I guess it could be both personal or professional, huh?
0: Yeah, however you want. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we've got some what we call big bets. At Transient Labs. So we just got a really good culture over there. Um, And so we have these like big bets every year that we're taking. They could fall flat on their face, but that's why they're called big bets. But we're going to put everything into them. And one of them being this um, basically releasing a full creator sovereign like no code innovation platform which is called the lab people have been seeing you know buzzings about it in the space it's still an alpha like private we're intentionally rolling it out very slow cuz we want to build with the artists and have them break shit and tell us what works what doesn't what they want to see and we slowly keep increasing the the users that are using it that's so it's very controlled growth. But I think one of the goals for 2023 is to have that at a certain state. So a certain amount of features rolled out into it because it's pretty bare bones right now. We're building the foundation. But I want to have the certain state of it open to public where anyone can come in and use it. So that's kind of like a... I think that's just one of the goals of Transient Labs for 2023. I don't know if I have any yeah personal ones. I'm just gonna keep making keep the story of pursuit of equilibrium going but oh yeah yeah
0: cool. well, number two would be if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be, and if you just stick it out wherever you're at right now, then just say I wouldn't go nowhere
1: yeah, uh, my wife and I would love to live in New Zealand, I have a couple of friends there <laughs> so been picking their brains, one of them uh, is Jesse Woolston. i don't know if you're familiar with him. he's a insane artist um he's been successful in web three but he's like too successful in web two to even just worry about web three like he's one of he's like just wildly successful has these massive like hundred foot exhibitions like permanent installments in cities that are insane and does this insane like 3d fluid motion artwork anyways he's a new zealander so i've always i'm just, man i would love to live there it just seems like um they have everything because i'm a big outdoors person but it'd be awesome to live next to the coast or uh, seems like their politics are amazing their education systems seems hard to get in though but i'm gonna keep asking them how i can become a how do I, you know, how do I live there permanently? Become a resident? How do I, yeah, how do I become
0: a resident over there? I gotta say, that's honestly the first time that we've ever heard in like seventy three episodes that might be the first New Zealand answer, and uh, I'm gonna have to check it out, yep. man, because you made it sound beautiful. Uh, <laughs> number three would be what is your biggest pet peeve? Hmm.
1: I don't know. I haven't thought about that one in a while. Let's see. Yeah, I don't know. What if I don't know? What if nothing's coming to my head?
0: Oh, you're you're good. We can go. We can go to number four. And if at any if any time you like remember or something, just hit me. But number four, I'm
1: sure I have things that bug me. Probably faking expertise and then people blindly following. There you go. Yeah, influencers just spouting shit, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, that's it must be true. Like, no, I guess my pet peeve is like people that don't do their own research or like think for themselves. People, humans are typically can be sheepish sometimes and just follow the herd without forming their own opinions and thoughts. Maybe that bugs me when they blindly follow idiots into the dark. I uh,
0: 100% agree because I truly feel like it don't, it's not rocket science to do your own research. Like it don't take, sometimes it's just a simple search, man. That's all you got to do. But people still, for whatever yeah. reason, have like this, uh, like you said, kind of a sheepish mindset. But it is what it is, man. Um, you know, I guess we'll let them be them. <laughs> uh, number four, though, would be what do people misunderstand about you most?
1: Oh, I mean, one of the clear ones is everyone thinks I'm I'm so calm and collected all the time. But internally, like, my anxiety level... Like, I would say I have general anxiety, probably. People just don't know it. But I'm, like, always (laughs) fucking anxious. It's probably not good. (laughs) Like, I'm always... (laughs) just, like... My cortisol levels are just high. For no reason. It's like my fight or flight's just always turned on. I've just learned how to mask it really well. That's probably the biggest misconception people like you just look so calm and like i don't know it's like um yeah it's like no dude you don't i'm just always like buzzing but on the inside maybe
0: (laughs) on the surface (laughs) man i'm freaking the fuck out so (laughs) yeah yeah. uh uh, i guess number number five in the in the final question would be uh if you know if you won 10 million dollars tomorrow what do you think you'd spend it on
1: yeah, that's a pretty easy one for me because we're growing <coughs> our family. Um Colorado's expensive because I live like right outside Boulder. Mm. And uh, we've been just wanting to get a house for so long. Just like that would be the first thing easily. Buy a house for the family. Something we love. Um, probably buy a golf membership. <laughs> like move into a golf uh, neighborhood. Get a... I've always wanted to get like a camper van, get one of those. And then, uh, of course, you got to put some of it into some volatile assets, whether that's like altcoins or buying some work, artwork, probably load up on some kind of grails, get some more squiggles, who knows. Yeah. Oh, the the squiggles,
0: man. That's a... That's a big move. No, I mean this sounds it sounds great. Like uh, like many people have answered before. I feel like uh, some of that or most of that is peace of mind, uh, especially with the family. Everybody wants to take care of their fam, get a better crib, just just do good. And um, no man, I think you killed it. You killed the five questions. You killed the entire interview. Uh, it was so good to learn more about you, man. You are a phenomenal artist. You are uh, an amazing founder within Transient and uh i just want to say thank you so much man so if you have any final words uh the floor is all yours uh and then we'll head out of here man
1: yeah thanks a lot for having me this was a lot of fun it's always good to kind of take a break from the busy day of back to back just chaos good chaos but still absolutely yeah i would just say i guess i don't know to anyone listening like um I'm still trying to like formulate how, how I would even communicate this, like especially as my kid gets older. Just like this concept of like, there's, there's always traps you can fall into, whether that's this mindset of 9 to 5 or dreams are just dreams and whatever. I've heard this, all this bullshit before from coworkers giving up on their dreams. Like, it doesn't matter what age you are. I've literally hit the reset button three times now. Jazz musician. Hit the reset button. Aerospace engineer. Hit the reset button. Software engineer. Founder of a Web3 tech company. And artist in Web3. It doesn't matter what age you are. You can always. There's no. There's way more excuses to. um, Quit. And pursue your dreams than there are to stay comfortable. I guess. So. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. Fuck that man. Don't. It's follow your dreams, man. <laughs> I don't care. Nah, I like that. Bro, there's no,
0: that makes me want to just fucking never get a job. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, that's it's powerful though, man, because I truly do feel like uh, anybody is capable of anything, and if you want to do it, that truly the only thing stopping you is yourself and uh going out there and trying to get it done. Um but you know, like I said, thank you so much for coming on here, Ben stick around uh, just for one second after we end out of here. And for those listening, I just wanted to say uh, thank you so much for tuning in another week. Continue. Uh, We have some great people coming up. Don't want to reveal who they are just yet, but I think you all will be very excited. So thanks again for listening and uh, we will see y'all next week.